You're listening to Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles, episode 64, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 208 and X-Men number 137 from June 1980. Welcome to the 64th episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Don't touch that dial. You heard right. You are not in the wrong place. We are renaming the show from Crusader Chronicles to Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles. But don't worry. The numbering, content, format, and bits and bits and bits aren't changing at all. We've renamed the show simply so we'll be easier to find in search engines. That way, people looking for Amazing Spider-Man content can find us a bit easier. We'll probably be making some naming tweaks to other shows on the network for the same reason, but this one is the most drastic. So if you can handle this, we're going to be okay. Again, nothing at all is changing except the name of the show and the logo. But that's it. We promise. Want proof? Here's Pat with the same intro verbiage that we're all comfortable with. Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by the release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having some fun along the way talking about the comics with my friends. And speaking about my friends... We have Jared Albrick, a.k.a. Death Probe. I just want to remind everybody that I grew up to be a scientist and my brother, janitor. Back to you, Pat. Speaking about your janitor brother, let's bring in Jason Albrick, the weasel skull. You missed a spot. Yeah, of course. Everybody makes fun of the janitor, but at least I have morals. I'm not trying to shut down a nuclear reactor or whatever. And... At some point in time, we have got to get disentangled from this, Jared, because this is driving me crazy. <laughs> I need more power. <laughs> you don't need more power. You just need to put some elbow grease into it. It'll help get that spot out. Uh, well, we'll try to figure out how to unfuse these two. I don't know if we want to or not. It's kind of easier making sure that they're always here together at one time. Was the one of the nice things. But if we separate them, then mm, I don't know. Let's go ahead and... See how Delvin the Dark Web Williams is doing. I wonder what it would be like if Jared and Jason fused together. I mean, probably still find them at Taco Bell, right? Odds are good. It'd probably be like a Taco Bell KFC fusion. You know See? <laughs> right? There you go. Right there. Fusion at of the fusion place. You never leave. It's either that or soul food here in Charlotte. Oh, right? yes, yes. I'm down I need more chicken wings food. and power. <laughs> <laughs> the, the number one hangout spot for the LBC while in North Carolina is soul food. Yeah. There you go. You got you got soy garlic wings, and then you can go and sing karaoke. Like so, like whatever songs that you guys like together. I'm gonna guess either Bond songs or songs from the '80s. There you go. I'm here to help. I'm a helper. Interesting. I would like to under figure out what song they would actually sing good together. Hmm. 
why don't we leave that up to the people listening? Go ahead and put in the comments. What song? Mock. Yeah. In. Yeah. Bird. Yeah. <laughs> I am very glad I didn't have water. <laughs> Would have been a spit take. Would have been a spit take. It's awesome. Well, if you want to hear more of that beautiful harmony between the Elbrick brothers, let us know in the comments what you want to hear them sing together. Possibly we could do that. We will see. But speaking about leaving us a comment, did you know you can call us and leave us a voicemail that we just might play on the show? You can leave a voice message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up up the phone, baby. Now, before we get started with this episode's issues, let's take a quick podcast promo break. I'm going to be right back. Monthly, monthly, monthly. It's Action Film Face-Off! Hello, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast I do with my brother, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Action Film Face-Off! Yes, thank you, Jared. Action Film Face-Off is a podcast where my brother and I, who are both military combat vets... Jason was a Navy SEAL! Jason was not a Navy SEAL. Jason was a military intelligence wing. But anyway, in each episode of Action Film Face-Off, we select two different action films. Some of them have Chuck Norris. Technically speaking, none of them have had Chuck Norris yet. But it could happen, because we use a randomizer set between 1970 and modern day to select our two films. So you'll always get two films, each from a different year. Our randomizer has spikes on it! We use a Google random number generator, so it does not have spikes on it. And we put the films into our video dome arena. It also has spikes. It does not have spikes. <laughs> but we discuss the films and score them through six different rounds of criteria. I score Bond films very high. Okay, that's true. But anyway, by the end of the episode, we crown one of the action films the champion of action film face-off. Next episode, Jason fights a bear. <laughs> Jason is not fighting a bear, but please give our show a listen. We're part of the Longbox Crusade Network of Shows. Pat Samson killed a man with a sword once. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers under Longbox Crusade. Or you can subscribe to just our show by searching for Action Film Face-Off. Come see the blood fly! And that's Action Film Face-Off. We do, indeed, invite you to come and see The Blood Fly. I just said that. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic for this episode. And it is Amazing Spider-Man number 208. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel. Cover date was September 1980, but its on-sale date was June 10th, 1980. Editor is Alan Milgram. Writer, Dennis O'Neill. Penciler, John Ramita Jr. Inker, Alan Milgram. Literer is Gene Simek. Colorist is Ben Sean. This is reprinted in Essential Spider-Man Volume 
nine trade paperback. It's also on Marvel Masters Volume 268, Amazing Spider-Man Volume 20 hardcover, or also on Marvel Unlimited. So please read along with us and join in on the fun. Cover cards go to penciler John Ramita Jr. and inker Alan Milgram. This is a busy inking for Alan. And he's also editing. Wow. Let's go ahead and get a cover description from Jared. The Marvel Comics Group banner is gone. It's kind of overpowered by an ad saying that this Marvel comic could be worth $2,500 to you. It's not. I looked it up on eBay. A nice graded copy will get you 75 bucks tops. Personal note, the show is being recorded in August of 2022. So if for some reason the value of this issue spikes in the future, don't bother calling in and leaving a condescending voicemail looking at you, Auburn Elvis. The whole thing is kind of dopey. Anyway, Spider-Man is swinging in his yellow corner box and he looks happy. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is green with black highlights. No webs, which kind of makes me grumpy and a little bit sleepy. The main action has Spider-Man swinging right down the middle of a traffic jam on a bridge. He's not bashful, and he's swinging right to the diminutive, glowing, two-headed powderhouse that is Fusion. Half janitor, half doctor. How do I know his name is Fusion? A, I read the book, and two, on the cover he states, Back off, Spider-Man, you can't beat Fusion, the twin terror. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm so sneezy. I oh, I get this one. <laughs> Good one, Jason. This is a Snow White reference. Mm, seven because of the dwarves. Dwarves, yes. I didn't Got mention this, this on my cover that, description. Uh, we need to go to HR immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I live on the raggedy edge. I didn't mention this in the cover description, by the way. But you mentioned Al Milgram being a busy anchor. I'm mm-hmm. not paying ten dollars for this. <laughs> just I'm just throwing it out there right now. That was oddly specific. Look at the ink work on the bridge, man. Oh, yeah. That is just. I bet when Ramita passed that pencil over to Al, he was, Al was like, you kidding me, man? <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is uh, okay. You know, I got, you know, I got to ink the inside of this, too, right? That is all. Yes, exactly. That is a lot of ruler work. But anyway, I'm certain we can talk about this. We might even have a segment for it. In fact, Jarrett, we do. Let's go ahead and get some quick cover thoughts so we can get to that. And we will start with Delvin. What's your thoughts on the cover? I like John Romita Jr. It's interesting to see him uh, drawing on Spidey. Is this the first time? If it's not, it's close. It's pretty close. I don't remember seeing any John Romita Jr. in the years we've been covering Amazing Spider-Man. I feel like maybe once, but... Maybe eh, once. Hazy. Yeah, so... I mean, he draws a good, good, clean Spidey. He has, of course, adapted his style over the years. And if I'm not mistaken, even right now in the year of our Lord, 2022, the man is still drawing amazing Spider-Man comic books. 40-something years later. That is incredible. That alone gets a, a freaking <laughs> round of applause <laughs> yeah. for me. That is, yeah, I mean, and the man, the man drew early 80s. He drew in the 90s. He drew in the 2000s. And now he's drawn in 2022. Incredible. Nothing to do with the cover whatsoever. Uh, it is, it's a good cover. You should already know where it's going. Pretty good Spidey cover. Pretty good action. Absolutely abomination of a lame villain. You know what it's going to get. I'm passing it to Jason. Well, I'm glad that Jared mentioned the bridge work. One of the things that really stands out to me about this cover is one of the things I really like about Marvel Comics and how they center and ground their action 
the fantastical action and the real world. So you've you've got that iconic bridge that they're confronting each other on. You've got the car with the rubber necker. And even though it's kind of a D-list and being generous villain, the action pretty decent. I like those. Uh, one thing that I don't like about it is the banner at the top of the book. And I think that's going to be a common theme tonight. Wrap it up here and pass it over to you, Jared. Yeah, I kind of tipped my cards early, man. I'm just really impressed with the ink work. I really like the John Romita Jr., you know, the pose, the Spider-Man with the kicked-in foot. And, I mean, even though it's not a great villain, he's got a good color scheme. He's got that black Kirby crackle on the body like that. So, I mean, it's a visually engaging cover. It's just, you know, Fusion didn't really pop like they maybe thought he would. <laughs> you know, I don't think Fusion's going to be getting a Disney Plus show. He's probably not even on Disney Minus. <laughs> so uh anyway but artistically i like it a lot so it's gonna make scoring it kind of tough for me back to you pat i think you picked up on what is really catching my eye on it is that spider-man if you just had the amazing spider-man and him kind of swinging in like that in that pose and that's all you saw i'd be like yeah this is the cover right there that's really cool and you could take that and impose it on a bunch of everything else that'd be really cool the villain as you guys said, eh, you know, I don't know who it is. I didn't know who it was before I read it. But I do like the, I don't want to say the, the background to make it feel like there's some depth in here. And especially that's being done with the bridge work that's there. So really cool looking behind the scenes artwork. Looks like it took somebody a lot of time to draw that. With that, why don't we go ahead and get to some cover ratings for this issue. Here we rate it a one through five rating five is you loved it it tickled your tummy feathers four really liked it three liked it two didn't like it and one you hated it it ruffled your tummy feathers we will start with jason one through five on the cover i'm at a three spider-man looks good the background looks good villain is what he is the banner really uh detracts for me at least yeah i'm missing the webs delvin Copy paste what Jason said, <laughs> Jared. I'm gonna go with a four. <laughs> strictly, you softy, whatever, boo. <laughs> strictly because BS. As an inker myself, I look at that bridge work. All right, yeah, <laughs> this guy right, deserves right. a bump up. So uh, I think the bridge work's great, and I, I just want to separate the art from. The subject matter. I, yeah, the villain was kind of not great, but the art of the cover, very good. I'm giving the art a four. Can't frame it, put it on my wall because the villain's not A-list and there's a big banner about comic worth 2500 Next thing you know, they're going to try to sell me a 10-speed bike or something. Who knows? Who knows? You might just win that bike, too. Maybe. Yeah. Spoiler, I did not win the bike. <laughs> I don't think any of us did. <laughs> I would like to know, did somebody actually win the bike? I Have they ever done like a that. deep documentary on was this bike real or was it just your imagination? <laughs> uh, somewhere like Al Milgram's kids, like riding that thing, like ching, ching. <laughs> LBC investigates. Is that tennis bike real? Was the $2,500 really real? We'll never know. Mm. Tune in and find out. How many licks does it really take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop? What's really in the feeling of a Twinkie? I, I think what they did is they took that $2,500 and they spent it uh, for the entirety of the budget for the 1990 Captain America film. <laughs> yeah. Is a ho-ho really that cheap? <laughs> well, that depends on what kind of... You know what? Well, let's move <laughs> on. Right. 
you can, get two you, of them. <laughs> can you mix your ho ho with your ding dong? I said, let's move on. I said, let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. It's too many calories, Pat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is. That is way too many. That's too sweet for me. All right. Well, I am going to give this a three. So I am on three island with three cool guys and one four chunks. I don't understand what you're saying. All right. Well, with the cover rating out of the way, let's get into this story and find out what it's all about with a story synopsis from Delvin. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. title of this issue is Fusion! It was an exclamation point. They're excited. So, Fusion! Anyone else want to shout that with me? Fusion! Fusion! Heck yeah. (laughs) All right. So, there's one twin. He's a scientist. Hubert. Another. A janitor. Pinky. Hubert's device goes bluey. Pinky tries to save him and they merge to become Fusion. The legendary golden child. Lest we forget the star of the comic book, Pete shows up to the globe and finds they might be becoming a tabloid rag. And oh, by the way, there's a new photographer in town, Lance Bannon, a pop culture phenomenon. In visiting Anna in the hospital with Aunt May, Pete runs into Fusion and the chase is on. From the pantry to the social media feeds. Looks like Fusion has a power of absorbing energy which may be a taste bud tantalizer. Who knows? I've never tasted energy, per se. And all this energy absorption makes Fusion easy to find, so Spidey finds him, and what splits him up is Pinky doesn't really want to be merged with Hubert, and who can blame him? Spidey's treasure treats have been captivating legions of fans for over a century, well, 60 years, and we're pretty sure he has a sweet journey ahead, much like Hostess Snacks which this issue was basically one big, long advertisement for, in my head, anyway. Back to you, Pat. <laughs> oh, Pat, all those jokes, you didn't even know it was coming. I didn't even know that was coming. I had those good <laughs> jokes that, oh, well, now I have to put them in. That synopsis was like, delicious cream. <laughs> <laughs> 
boy, thank you, Delvin. That was that was so amazing. I I feel like I got something right. You know, I did that. <laughs> it was a big day. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> Gold star for Pat. Gold star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one, Pat. Good one. All right. Well, let's go ahead and celebrate with some brick or brack for this issue. Let's find out if it's a first read or a reread. Jared. Uh, first read for me, Pat. Jason. First read for me as well. Delvin? First read for me, Pat. Awesome. It is a first read for me, too, so you know what that means. That's a reading rainbow. Man, I love it. Uh, So easily amused. I Uh, still love it, too. (laughs) 64 episodes, and we're still loving rainbows. Oh, gives me the butterflies. Let's go ahead and get to some high lows and what does. Jason, do you got a high low or what the? I'm going to start with a what the. I'm wondering if this might not have inspired the pinky in the brain cartoon. Mm. Interesting theory. I just like, that's the first thing that popped into my mind. Because I think there is even like, what are we going to do now, Hugo? You know, Mm. (laughs) same thing we do every time, pinky. Try to take over the world. So, anyway, that was one of the things that popped into my mind early. Like, I wonder if this was an inspiration behind Pinky and the Brain. Very good observation. Jared, high, low, or what the? If I'd read it, I would probably say one of the highs would be, I don't know, the artwork? It's John Romita Jr. and Al Milgram. <laughs> we all know that out of the two books that we had to read, <laughs> we know which one you did not read. So, let's... All right, all right. Let me not fry. Of course, I read it, but no, I think the it was really good artwork. And you know, Delvin alluded to it earlier. John Romita Jr.'s uh, style will become very individual. Yeah, in the fuse, like you're going to know, like oh, it's John Romita Jr. when you see it. And and I like it. I'm not banging on it at all. This is back when he still drew like his dad, and it's wonderful. It's like we're in an old Spidey episode, you know, or old Spidey issue. Because, you know, it's just that warm, comfy art feel to it. So I really just shout out to the art in the book. Definitely agree with you. Uh, when you go through this, when you hear John Romita Jr., you're thinking like, oh, man, this thing's going to be splashy and fast, you know, really cool looking. But it's the same. And I really respect that to see how much he has grown from this time to what we're seeing now, as Devlin mentioned earlier, with the new Amazing Spider-Man where they're at. So really cool. Delvin, you got a high, low, or what the? I got a low. This book was boring. I, I, look, I'm just, I'm going to come right out and what? say it. It was dull. <laughs> and I was, I was not impressed. And, and I'll give you a little bit of background. I, today at work, you know, I just had a case of the butt, you know, just, it, just work stuff, just not vibing. And I just was like, uh, like, sweet. All right. I at least get a good, amazing Spider-Man comic book to read. And then I read it and was like, this did not help. <laughs> it did not help my my case of the butt at all. I'm like, in fact, I almost was like worse off. Like, wow, what an uninspired villain. And they, they tried to spruce it up. Like, there's a, there's a rationale behind it. If you saw it on page one, it says, special thanks to Jim Shooter and Mark Gruenwald for plotting, and to the fans at MapleCon 2 in Ottawa for creating Fusion. So, let's never have a Comic-Con create a character again if it's going to be like Fusion. I, I, Good villain, eh? There. 
<laughs> no, no, he was a hoser. He was quite the hoser. <laughs> so, in summary, from that point of view, Canada has given us Wolverine, Alpha Flight, Fusion. <laughs> Ooh. So, I mean, you started at the, t- at the top of the mountain, <laughs> steep decline, almost vertical down. <laughs> Shag, don't kill us. Uh, but I just, oh, okay, I'm done. That's enough. Especially, I don't want to completely counterbalance the positivity that you guys have for John Romita Jr.'s nice artwork. Hey, and, that it, and that it possibly created Pinky in the Brain with my stuff. What were you saying, uh, Jared? Well, based on my experience of saying negative things about the X-Men book, there's you're going to catch a rash of crap. <laughs> well, you know, since you say that, the other book that we read last episode was a fillery kind of issue, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, I think this one was a lot better. Is a really good one-off story in a I way disagree. that... Last then, issue was better. I don't like... And I think even more disappointing... I know Denny O'Neill, freaking Batman. So the dude can scribe. John Romita Jr., that dude can draw. And with, he Al, with Al Milgram, an expert inker. So it's like, all right, you, you got a money team here, and they gave you a hay penny. <laughs> I, I, I think you guys are on something. I really get the feeling they're spinning their wheels, like they're planning the next big thing, and for now it's just Well, I think we know. Filler. Yeah, I think right now we, with the ending of the name that we saw at the end, I think we're going to start to get into something. Ah, uh, yeah, right. Big. He, I hope he rapidly flips towards the end. Remember? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. There's a big bad guy coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did. Re- yeah, you I did see the, I, that. I mean, they just say his name, you know. But yeah, that's the <laughs> think about that one, folks. Guess that I really think this one for me may have been a little bit better put together. And I'm just going to put another like out there for at least what's happening with the newspaper with Peter. That was the only kind of thing that uh-huh. story that I'm like, okay, something else is going to move on from here that you can take out of it. The rest was all just about fusion and kind of doing what they did for the, for the comic book. But I liked that little bit they did. I don't know who Lance is, but sounds like he's going to be. You know, kind of get in Peter's business a little bit, maybe, and just kind of give him a little rub. So we'll see where that kind of newspaper is. (laughs) But, you know, they're sharing the office and (laughs) who knows what happens back then. Laurel! (laughs) (laughs) Jason, we're going to round two. You got a high lower with the. Uh, Help me out here a minute, guys, because I I read the the previous issue as well since I missed it last time and I'm starting to kind of blend them together. Was this the issue where J. Jonah Jameson comes back to the Bugle, or was that in the previous one? Okay, then I didn't like about this book. (laughs) 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 That was the part I really liked. Okay, this he went out on the date with this one, though, right? Or was that the... No. Okay, honestly speaking, I don't really... Did you even read this? I did. I read both of them, and the memorable stuff all come from the previous book that I missed. So, you know, I don't just really don't have much that really stuck here. I guess... It was kind of interesting. I'll tag on with the, I'm curious as to the backstory of how the fans created that character or influenced the creation of that character of fusion. That might be an interesting bit. It's Canada. So there's beer involved. Yeah. Some Molson probably, but yeah, other than that, not a whole lot that grabbed me about this book. And 
unfortunately, I, I've been trying to positive it up to a three, but I don't know. Come score time, you guys are going to have to pump me up here. I'm just looking in the back in the notes of it in the letters page, but they didn't really have anything in this one about it. So maybe in a future page when they actually get some letters about it, we'll understand a little bit how the character came about, but I don't know nothing else about it. So did he even get a Marvel card, trading card for the fusion? I wonder now. Jared could draw one for him. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Your assignment, Jared, they're always saying, you know, don't come to Marvel. Don't come to the big show with your Spider-Man pitch, your Wolverine pitch. Everyone has a Spider-Man pitch or Wolverine pitch. You come up with a fusion pitch. (laughs) <laughs> and, it's, and it's readable they might give you anything son i think we should team him up with will of the wisp i was just thinking that yep, Stegron, yep. yep goes to hammerhead mm-hmm. boris corpse clearly the leader of the yes. team yes then <laughs> you got something there dibs on boris let's go yeah. we just got to come up with a good name for that group you know it's like they, they had the sinister six but uh i already thought of the sinister sucks but we got boris in there so yeah i, I like him all right, well, let's go ahead and go to Jarrett. You got high, low, or what the score on two? I think we've or? kind of uh, covered uh, <laughs> what's going on. This like, the thing that I was like, kind of what the merging into low territory was, you are giving a lot of time and effort to the backstory of <laughs> Fusion. Like, and you can all see it coming a mile away. Like, I don't know why there's so many panels about them. And and, and now I get it. They're They're trying to give... The fan expo people, their money's worth. I get it now. A, a neat experiment, but in the end, go back to what I said before, it's very clear to me that the editor's room at Amazing Spider-Man has something they're planning coming up. I'm hoping it starts with the next issue. Something big, because these last two issues have been wheel spinners. And, you know, sometimes you got to get through that. You got to eat the filler. Sometimes you got to eat that filler. At least the filler was filling. pretty. I already gave a high of the art in round one. Mm-hmm. No further questions, Your Honor. Delvin, I low or what the? Once again, I can copy paste Jared. I, I don't have much. Like, it was that simple and bereft of a story. I mean, the storyline was almost like one complete straight line. There wasn't any jumping back and forth or anything. It was just kind of there. So, Jason, you got anything, dude? I was just saying that we're going to be in trouble if Toronto Cop was one of the people that was at that con and came up with that character. <laughs> well, maybe he might know a little bit. So, Toronto Cop, you're listening. Let us know what, what's going on up there. And are they still having the Maple Con? I'd be interested to know. How long has it been going on? And have you gone? Maybe This was did. probably the year that killed it because of you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, speaking about killing it, I think we've reached the end of the high lows or what does for this one. Again, the artwork really carried this one along. But before we go any further, let's find out. Was there a silly Spidey moment for you guys in this one? And we'll start with Jason. You got a silly Spidey for this? Man, I'm really bleeding those two issues. (laughs) So (laughs) I just kind of think overall the the entire issue was kind of silly. Okay. I'm going to punt it to somebody else. Delvin, what's your silly Spidey? The one thing that I found funny was like from the start, even though I knew it was coming, Hubert, the sign is like, I'm such a great scientist, dad. And I surely, I don't have to double check my stuff because I'm just so cool and I f- <laughs> <laughs> 
Like everyone saw it coming. Like, bro, if, if it's a world-defining discovery, surely you could have taken an extra day to make sure your equipment worked, and then you didn't have to morph into this. <sighs> that was funny to me. Jared, did you have something funny? I did at the very beginning when Spidey decides to help out with the traffic jam and moves the car, and then everybody jumps his case, like, hey, the cops haven't even been here, so now the insurance is going to be all messed up, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And they're all yelling at him. He's like, you know, I tell him I'm not one, and he takes off. And that final throwaway comment, the guy goes, it's probably a commie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, this is a funny logic leap to be like, how did you land? <laughs> like, hey, man. Uh, you can start humming the uh, Star Spangled Banner in the background if you want. I mean, I'm as, I'm a capitalist pig all the way, but like that's such a weird logic leap. Just like probably a comic. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, what what a weird thing to say. It was so, eighty. It's like hey, okay, yeah, it's the eighties definitely. <laughs> I'm gonna piggyback off of that page because mine's at the top of that page when Spider Man's swinging in and the guys are fighting and Spider Man says, "Relax, people." Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is here. And then guy on the side that's waiting on his car just says, so we should maybe declare it a holiday? <laughs> and that's what he knew he's in trouble, that commie. <laughs> yeah, that, Parker. that definitely seemed like a very New York comment. Like, Spider-Man's here is like, and? <laughs> we, don't, we don't care. Still trying to figure out what's communist about unclogging a traffic jam. <laughs> I can't piece that one together. Maybe there's a word count that I had to get in and just get it done here, but... Oh, we'll talk about word counts later. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we will. Well, let's save it. Let's go ahead and get into the ratings for this issue. Again, it's a one through five rating. Five as you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Mm-hmm. Four, nice. really liked it. Three, nope. liked it. <laughs> Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Not bad if you want to do that again, since I talked over to you in a very amusing way. You- <laughs> no, no, keep it. It was Fine. funny. We will start with Delvin, one through five. What are you going to rate this one? <sighs> Set the bar here, Delvin. Set the bar. Don't oh, envy you. Oh, man. Look, it's a two, y'all. It, I, I didn't like it. I didn't. Am I ever going to wind my Spidey? No. Uh, and that we're probably going to be ending this podcast before we get to chapter one or the Howard Mackey run of the late 90s. Uh, but you never, I don't know. Maybe we could be, hold on, carry the one. Like, I could be in my 60s <laughs> doing this. Who knows? But I, the artwork was good. It, it just wasn't enough to save it. I don't mind a D list villain i mean because they you can't always have like the super high a-listers or whatever this isn't the justice league and so like that's what i what i'm getting it for i'm just getting because i just thought the story was just a little bit dull in one note and fusion was actually a i mean if you look at the power set that fusion had fusion could have been a pretty powerful yeah yeah could have been a powerhouse and he, he was done in because one half of them was just like no the end Oh, <laughs> the whole thing just felt, it just felt flat to me. Just didn't, didn't do it for me. Oh, understood. Jason, one through five. I'm at a two as well. I did learn a lesson that I probably shouldn't read two issues back to back when I <laughs> miss an episode. <laughs> but it did kind of tell me something because all the things that were memorable to me as we did this podcast came from the issue. And they're both filler issues. So we're eating a lot of filler here, fellas. So hopefully something big's coming up here soon. But this one just wasn't even really memorable to me at all. 
And the fact that the villain was a little person, I think there could have been some more story there uh, as to character development, like why they're behaving, why one's behaving the way one is and the other's behaving the way the other is. Just, I don't know, like Devin said, just some, it could have been an interesting character. There are some missed opportunities, I guess. Anyway, sorry, I rambled on a bit, but I'm at a two. Jared. Five. Really? No explanations. Five. Okay. Mm, Okay, no. (laughs) Let me backpedal that. Oh, how low are you going to go? 2.5. No further questions. We can't do. 2.5. No further questions. We can't do halfsies. 2.5. No further questions. You we don't have a question. We have a statement. You can't yes. do halfsies. Uh, the John Ravita Jr. Al Milgram art. So good. Denny O'Neill. So talented. Yet somehow. Yeah, I guess I'll get on the two train. It's it, I you read you, it, I you, you put it back in the bag of the board, you slide it in your box, and you don't go back to it again. Not that it was like offensive or evil, just like eh, eh, meh. I hear and you. also eh. eh. I agree with you on that a hundred percent. That if I could bump it up just to say I liked it for the art, I would, but the story wise, uh, I liked it a lot better, which is strange because I liked it a lot better than the other one, but I just can't, you know, get it over the other fillers that we had. I'm like, well, this one is kind of, I don't know, but um, I'm giving it a two. So we're all agreeing. This is a two, which is the first, I think, that we all agreed (laughs) on two. Whoa. (laughs) It takes two. It takes takes two. two. Me and you. you. It takes two. It takes two. But do you think maybe that they did it the way they did with this just because it was a a fan created person yeah. that they're like hey we're going to give it a, a beginning and an end real quick so we don't have to when I put it this way do something if they if they did something like that today it would be in an annual yeah like, or like a backup story like a that wouldn't kind of yeah or backup story they like charge you an extra yeah. dollar for the comic book and give you an extra eight pages. And you have a quick story about fusion, but would they ever like devote an entire issue of the main run of Amazing Spider-Man to this? Like now? Nope. (laughs) Especially now. You know, comic books are four doggone dollars. Ain't nobody going to want to spend four dollars on this. That's ironic. Looking at the back issue that I picked up, I spent eight dollars on it. (laughs) But but, hey, hey, first appearance of fusion. (laughs) And you could have won some money. I could have. That's true. You know, I had I've been collecting it back when I was three years old. That's all it is. And and but at the same time, I bet. I mean, I have no idea how many copies Amazing Spidey 208 sold. But at, back then, comic books were selling, you know, pretty good. Like because you know, there you could buy it off the newsstand. You're still picking it up and kind of throwing it away, and it's fifty cents. So it's disposable. It's just not as you can't waste people's money like that now because four dollars is a decent amount of money heck four dollars can get you a burger or something you know what i'm saying like you're not gonna spend it on that today and and that's okay it's just a different era 40 years ago and it's and it's an era we love and i can't wait to read uh amazing spidey 209 because this era i don't know nothing about so you know always how spidey that's my dude just Mm -hmm. this particular comic book it wasn't it that's all we are going to catch so much flack from the guys at Fusion Cast. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Fusion Cast, and let me talk about this mother right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> <called> Pinky. <laughs> On this episode of Fusion Cast, we're going to be looking at. 
Spider-Man 208 again. (laughs) (laughs) Panel number five. (laughs) And on next issue of Fusion Cast, we found this motherfucker's house. (laughs) He's in Charlotte, (laughs) y'all. We're paying him a visit. (laughs) Oh, well, we still have fun. That's the point of it all here is reading and having some fun talking about them good comment pat because at the end of the day i don't regret reading it no definitely not at all. i definitely don't at all it was as delvin said it's all part of the journey that we are on here in these episodes that we're going through so it's all part of the spider-man journey for us which is why we actually renamed the show amazing spider-man chronicles because that's what we're doing and then on our first show, we took a crap <laughs> on the book. <laughs> Welcome it's to only, Spider-Man Chronicles. Yeah, it's only up from here, guys. It's only up from here. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. Don't forget, you can also send us a voicemail that we just might play on the show. You can leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. We're going to be right back. Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like... Gotcha, or maybe... Dragon Flame! How about... Tatsuo! Or... In the year 1999, an abandoned alien battle fortress crash-landed on the planet Earth. Our most brilliant scientists and engineers spent the next 10 years reconstructing the damaged ship and studying its highly advanced space technology called Robotech. Do you remember... Our Star Blazers! Or this... The year is after Colony 195. As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era... There are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon. The Wing Zero and the Epion. Or maybe even this. After the desire for blood pools all, the only hope left is the one they call D. Or this. Gene, grappler ships dead ahead! It wouldn't be fun otherwise. Let's do it! Or... If Cardus is allowed to be reborn, she'll destroy Marmo as well as Lodos! Or have you seen the latest episode of... And just like that, everything changed. At that terrible moment, in our hearts, we knew... Home was a pen. Humanity, cattle. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out... Anime Freaks, hosted by Dr. Bill Robinson and me, Gene Hendricks. Anime Freaks is a monthly podcast covering all things anime. It is available at 2TrueFreaks.com and on iTunes under 2TrueFreaks Presents Anime Freaks. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, which is determined by our Crusader Club members. Club members get to vote on this segment using the online poll only available on the Longbox Crusade page at patreon.com. If I may interject that. You may. 
I want to interject real quick just to point out that there was a lot of good choices and, and the voting was spread there out. Was. So this one there won was. by a narrow margin. I know you read that on every episode. I just want to let people know it's true. There's a, there's a poll and the people vote and this was a close one. And that kind of stuff's kind of exciting behind the scenes. So when we pimp you for Crusaders Club memberships, it's part of the fun, man. Yeah. And there's good comment and, and stuff going on, too. Uh, we have a lot of people oh, yeah. commenting about the issues that were presented and how it was hard for them to choose the, yeah, over the like last two one, episodes. This one kind of close with like Rom was on there and it got Rom some votes there, and yeah. something else picked up a couple of votes. It, it was, it was just, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun thing that happens in the background. I'm sorry. I interrupted the, the no. programming, but I just, I like that part of the Crusaders club. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. I like seeing the comments that people leave in there and some, we get in there and we start chatting with them too. So you're definitely getting some of us involved in, and I think that's fun. It's not a good place to chat with Jason, though. I don't think he has access. <laughs> Where does he? You know, Jason Keene is responding to More us. More to come on the upcoming episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles. Yeah. In a Jason kind of way, too. Hmm. Mm. I think the jury's still out on that. He's crafty. He gets around. I think we're keen on him. We're keen to what's happening, Jason and Jason. Anyway, we want to thank all our Crusader Club members for voting to help determine the programming of this show. It really does come down to you. If you want to get in on the voting and all the amazing benefits of being a Crusaders Club member, just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. You can join for as little as $1 per month and help determine what each episode's second feature will be. Well, for this episode, the Crusader Club member selected Uncanny X-Men number 137. They want us to continue on this journey that we're on with the X-Men for a little bit on this time. I think I see what's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everybody's out to get Jared. So if you want to be out to get Jared, join the Crusaders Club for his $1 a month. You can get Jared as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I've been attacked on several shows now, I think. <laughs> That's all right. For a dollar a month, I'll take the hits, man. <laughs> You're damn right you will. Anyway, the credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel. Got a cover date of September 1980, but its on-sale date was June 17th. Of 1980. Cover price is 75 pennies. Wow. A little pricey on this one, but we'll find out why. Editor is Jim Selicrup. Writer is Chris S. Claremont. Esquire. Penciler and plotter goes to John L. Byrne. Inker is Terry Austin. Letterer is Tom Orzhakowski. And it's the return of the Color Me Bad colorist, Glennis Ween. Best best thing that's happened this episode so far. (laughs) Might be the peak of the episode for your boy Jared right now. (laughs) I was so happy when I saw Glennis on there. I was like, oh, yeah. This is reprinted in a lot of different things. Some of them would to be named would be Phoenix Number One from 1984, Uncanny X Men trade paperback. There's some essentials. There's some Marvel Masterwork stuff. So this story, I'm sure everybody may know that it's a well-known story in the X Men and Marvel area. So I won't bore you with all that is listed here. It's out on Marvel Unlimited. So go and read it and join us in the comments as we continue on. Cover credits for this go to penciler John L. Byrne with inker of Terry Austin. Let's 
get a cover description from Jared. The Marvel Comics Group banner is kind of non-existent and overpowered by an ad saying this Marvel comic could be worth $2,500 to you. It's not. I looked it up on eBay. But a nice graded 9.8 mint copy recently sold for $1,000. So we're getting there, but not quite. Note, the show is being recorded in August of 2022, so if the value spikes in the future, don't bother calling and leaving a condescending voicemail. Talking to you, Auburn Elvis. So the floating heads are there. Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler, but not really in a corner box. Just there. Kind of creeps me out. The X-Men logo is white with purple highlights, and at least it's not damaged this time. The main action is just Scott and Jean looking a bit tattered. And what caught my eye is that Jean seems to be back in her non-Phoenix garb. The two lovers are supporting each other and battling with their backs against a literal wall. Cyclops blasts his eye beams, and Jean projects purple stuff. Oh, and they're not on Earth because A, the Earth is in the background, and two, because of course they're not. One cover blurb tells us that this is a special double-sized issue, which I know I'm excited about. And another blurb simply states, Phoenix must die. Hey, Jared, I, I got a question. Mm-hmm. Were you really excited that it was a double-sized issue, or, or were you being sarcastic? I, uh, I'm afraid to answer that, basically. <laughs> 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 Listener feedback I've had recently. When I saw it was double size, I made this so and I went, hmm. <laughs> okay. But hey, with all that extra pages in there, then he could probably spread out the word count. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> so back to you, Pat. <laughs> hey, Jared, I got a question. Uh, we should did, move on with the show. <laughs> did the floating heads really freak you out? They did. They creeped me out when there's no box around them. I just can't take it. <laughs> I do. You know what? I, I, we might be jumping ahead into cover thoughts, but I kind of like they're still playing with the cover, you know, cracked mm-hmm. logos and and this and that we've been talking about lately. And now the, the corner box is gone because it allows Scott's beams to go all the way off the page. Yeah. So, you know, kudos for cover creativity. We'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking about that, let's get some quick cover thoughts on this and we'll go with Jason. I'm conflicted about this cover because my first instinct is I really like it. You can tell the writer, the artist, the whole team have gone all out for this book. I love that iconic pose with Scott and Jean. I love Jean back in her original uniform. I love the earth in the background. I love the floating heads again. And if I was Chris Claremont and John Byrne, I would have thrown fit before I let them put this Marvel combat on top of the issue. This is an iconic issue. This is one of the greatest issues of all time. And you throw this big ad on top of it. Great cover. This ad is a sin. It's a sin. Back to you. My favorite part of the comic was that ad. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I scanned the whole thing looking for that (laughs) (laughs) $2,500. It's not in there. It wasn't in that other one either. Oh, you I know, know I looked for that $2,500. <laughs> Jared, what's your thoughts? I, I make a lot of jokes, but I agree with Jason. I mean, again, we've talked about how because I've come to the Phoenix saga late, it doesn't hit me with the impact that does other people. But I know great art when I see it. I know iconic covers when I see it. And I know they effed up by putting this Marvel cover. It's as bad as when I slap that 10-speed ad on other I mean, this is... Again, I know X-Men isn't necessarily my thing, but I know big moments when I see them. And this is a big moment. And this is an awesome cover art-wise. So, yeah, they totally need to leave that off of there and let Byrne have another two inches of drawing space or whatever it is. Because, I mean, it's really cool. It's it's Scott and it's Gene. And 
it's a very good representation of what happens in the book. So all the listeners lean in. I like the cover of X-Men number 137. Mm, interesting. We'll see what happens with the rest of it. I'm going to ask a question. Do you think that the reason why they didn't put the corner box with the heads squared away because that would have really eaten up the the real yeah, estate Yeah, I think of it? so. I think so. I think they wanted to have that Scott's like beam square. go all the way to the end of the page because they, they were robbed of some real estate. Yeah. Hmm. I'm seriously going to ask Chris Claremont next time I see him about Good that. Good question to ask. This, yeah, this really frustrates me. Delvin, what's your thoughts on the cover? I remember I was meh on the last cover for whatever reason. I was like at a three level. It just didn't move me. This one did. What I like about it is that it was a double size issue, meaning that it had some big meaning to the whole storyline. And, mm-hmm. and everyone knows this was the end of the Dark Phoenix saga. So it was a big buildup, years of storyline. And yeah, if this were the 90s, be a super freaking gatefold, triple platinum stamped, double X cover. But no, in this case, you just had one bad John Byrne, Terry Austin cover. And it was Jean Grey and Scott Summers against the world. And it was fantastic. So I really just enjoyed the art team spoke for itself. You get what I'm saying? Like they didn't have to overly flourish it. They didn't have to, you know, golden boss anything. They didn't have to do a gatefold cover. That simple cover tells you pretty much everything you need to know. And that's a huge credit to John Byrne and Austin. They did a heck of a job. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I saw the ad. The ad didn't distract me as much as it did Jason and Jared, but I understand what they're saying and that it's like, this cover was amazing and nothing needed to get in the way of it. I do agree with that. Like you said, this is a special, they even said it's a special double-sized issue. Why are you putting that out there? You know, Ugh. but again, you guys all said it. It's the artwork, burn Austin, the colors on this, just everything is just popping on this and the excitement that, you know, something's going on and they're really you know, kind of fighting for their life with the clothes being really tattered, that rakish kind of an angle where Cyclops is holding on to that wall, like, oh man, hold on, baby. This is, we're getting to the end. We're, you know, we're miles away from the earth. What's going to happen? And yeah, it, it gets you ready to, to really open this up and start reading it. But with that, we still need to kind of rate the cover. We rate this one on a one through five rating. Five is you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from, oh. and we saw this in this. Yeah, I noticed it, too. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, there's a ring. There's a ring, and he swing. Four is you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. <laughs> Let's start with Jared. I want everybody to lean in close. Put your headphones on nice and tight here, okay? Mm-hmm. This is an X-Men cover. Jared's not big on the X-Men. But if you're going to get a five from me, yes. you know what you're going to need? You're going to need Wolverine with claws popped doing badass Wolverine things. You're going to need Colossus bulging silver muscles, lifting something huge and doing something awesome. You're going to need Aurora Monroe doing awesome weathery things and not a, not a lot of clothes. But <laughs> you're going to need Nightcrawler 
doing that sneaky, cool, demonic little look he has, right? You know who the hardest characters to sell me on a five would be? <laughs> Cyclops and Jean Grey. Although Cyclops is my favorite X-Man. Okay. He's not photogenic. He's not Wolverine on the cover. Mm. All right. I can admit that. And Jean, especially just as Marvel Girl, uh, you know, mental powers. But somehow, Pat, somehow, Byrne and Austin have taken the two most not photogenic X-Men and made something really awesome. Would they make a poster? They should. Would I hang it on my wall? I would. It's a five. All right. Let's see if the five train continues down the road. Jason, one through five. That's what frustrates me about this whole stupid ad. It keeps it from being a five. Everything here is as it should be, except it's compacted. And it's obviously compacted because of this stupid ad. If I had a poster of this, it's up on the wall. The cover doesn't make it because of the ad. Four for me. Fair enough. Delvin. 4.5. Next. Wait, wait, wait. I support that decision. (laughs) Can't do it. Can't do it. Ooh, let me check the notes here. Mm, yeah. Oh, Courtney, oh, what, Courtney got, a, got the, the email say? from Laurel. She said we cannot do halfsies. Well, fiddlesticks. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Man, you're a really hard one. You're really family show. I, I know. I know. I know, Jason. I mean, excuse me, Jared. I know. I'm sorry. That was. Then it's a five. If I, if I was motivated enough to look at it and be blown away by it, and it was just an excellent table setter for the book, and it did depict very well what happened in the book, it, and it's burn. I mean, I don't have any problem giving a John Byrne cover a five, so <laughs> five. Pat, what do you think? I'm going to agree with you, Delvin and Jared. It's a five. I'm going to have to kind of get past the big yellow box that i can i can under definitely understand jason's point on it Same. i don't yeah i, I, I don't, don't blame him for where he's at um, and i love all three of you for giving it a five i would really truly like this as a poster without that on there that would be really cool to have i'm sure there's got to be something out there somebody says kind of figured it out or, or got it done but really cool cover and just makes you excited to open it up and read it so Three guys got cool with some fives and one guy on a four. So let us know what you think out there. Is Did the ad throw you off on this? Are you guys with Jason or can you look past it? The great 2022 the, ad controversy. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, with that, let's get into a synopsis on this story from Jason. Cyclops, Storm. Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants, feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect. These are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents The Uncanny X-Men.
The title is The Fate of the Phoenix. Since this is a double-sized issue, I get double-sized word count. I'm just kidding, Jared. Let's do another poetry slam. Yeah, we start with the Watcher. Watch his name. He says after this issue, nothing's the same. Our X-Men find themselves on a cruiser in space. Just to piss off Jared and make his blood race. <laughs> it worked. It's the Shi'ar and Lelandra who says enough is enough. It's death to Jean and for Savior. No freaky space love. The X-Men are conflicted. They don't want Jean to die. On the other hand, she did make five billion people fry. That's wrong. Professor X yells, we will battle for Jean with all of our might. Although I couldn't help but notice, his did not fight. It's a showdown on the moon between the X-Men and the guard. Angel nearly offs himself because flying is hard. Worthless. The X-Men and the guard go round after round. The X-Men fight valiantly, but eventually go down. Oh, no. All seems lost in this interstellar crisis until Jean loses control. And the phoenix, she rises. Uh-uh. Now it's all against phoenix as they go blow for blow. And to think you only paid 75 cents for this show. Money, money. In the end, Jean dies, which was her plan all along. She died a human because being a god was wrong. Mm-mm. With tears in our eyes, our hearts do sink. Jean is dead. She's gone forever. Wink. It's a lie. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, Jason. Let's go ahead and get to the brick or brack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? And we will find out who's going to let us down. Delvin, first read or reread? I don't think it's me. I just. I picked this up at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. I know I had it in my collection, but I don't think I've read the uh, single issue. So first read. Well, I'm going to be shaggy here and say, was it me? First read for me, Jared? It was a first read, although when I finished it, I felt like I've been reading for about six or seven days. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say the length of time. Oh, I'm read. sorry. A first read. First read, Pat. Yeah. Jason, was a first read or a reread for you? It's a reread for me. Uh, I knew it. Broken rainbow. We could have had double rainbow. (laughs) We still love you, Jason. Yes, we do. All right. Well, let's find out what we have for some high lows or what does. And we're going to start with Delvin. You got a high low or what the for this first round? Let's go high. And I normally wouldn't say high when... Like the note of the book was somber, depressing almost, but it was expected. It's like we all kind of knew this was coming, right? I'll just speak to what we would know for Uncanny X-Men 137 because we I've been told that there was some explanations about the death of Phoenix, but we don't know that yet. So let's go with what we know. And from what we know, this was kind of a story three plus years in the making. And what I mean by that is really Jean Grey died 
back when she saved everyone and they had their big cosmic adventure and she brought them back to Earth. She died. We just got to see a glimmer of who she was for the last three years. And so this issue, this double size issue, very perfectly encapsulated what that meant to the rest of the team. That's a good place to stop. I think that brings a good perspective on what we did read and how long it actually, that storyline has been going on for. So thank you for uh, that good recap. It it really helps me kind of understand this one a little deeper that she did actually, yeah, she did die back back then and just this is gene now with the phoenix in her and she she didn't want to be that way anymore jason what's your thoughts high lower with us i'm just gonna throw all my cards on the table this is one of my favorite x-men issues of all time so there's not going to be too many lows is it a perfect issue no but boy what a what a great job it does really just to encapsulate everything that is the x-men the family element the flawed heroes I know Jared isn't. This isn't Jared's cup of tea, but I love the space opera. I love everything about it. I love it being set, the battle being set on the moon. But most of all, when we talked about it with the cover at the end of the day, I think Delvin summed it up best. It's Gene and Cyclops versus the world, and that has been the story of their relationship from the day they met, and that was what makes. Jean putting on that uniform so poignant. She knew going into this, this was her plan. She knew she had to die and she was going to die as a human, as Jean Grey and go back to the beginning. And even though it was a reread for me, it brought out all of those emotions from the first time I read it all those years ago. That's why I love this book. Definitely from the heart there, Jason. Definitely can feel it from you. Jared. Do you have the same heart as your brother since you guys are fused together? Yeah, you gotta remember he's a janitor. That's the most. Oh, yeah. oh man. Uh, he really, he really teed me up. <laughs> he just poured his heart out. And I'm like, hmm. And round one, I was going to kind of get all my negatives out of the way. So I'll do that because I know the listeners are tuning in, wanting those <laughs> negatives on this X-Men book. So I texted the group after I started reading this because I actually counted. And I said, guys. There's 190 words on the first page. Claremont got to work on that word count, man. 190 on the first page. And then I got to page seven, where there was 318 words on the page. Woo! I tell you what. I, you know, there's a different era, I guess. But uh, there's some rules to writing comics these days that I try to follow when I write my comics. And man, that's a lot of words. That's, that's arguably too many words. But hey. I'll let that go. The only other complaint I'm going to make, and then I promise in round two to say nice things. Only other complaint I'm going to make is like, this was, yeah, the big emotional end cap for Jean. And then her death was like, she created like some laser beam off to her right that shot her. What? (laughs) If, If I'm Claremont and I've got burn on pencils. Oh, she's going out in a blaze of emotion. glory. She's going to turn into a giant fiery phoenix. It's going to consume her until she's nothing but swirling ash and a sexy form of Jean as it floats to the ground. This I made a laser off, barely off panel that shot me. Come on. She deserved a much bigger flourish of a death at the end. That's my biggest complaint. Like, cause I, agree with Jason. There's a lot of feels here. Claremont does a good job, even though it's wordy. He does a good job at building the feels because he gives every team members perspective. Yeah. 
on Gene. So you get all their perspectives. They go in. and some of them are like, I'm with Gene 100 percent. Some are like, I don't know about Gene. But the, what they all decided to do was stand up for Gene. That's powerful storytelling. Mm-hmm. I just think she needed a bigger flourish ending. I mean, when the ending of the X-Men three movie is more flourishy than the ending of the source material. I don't know. X two. I don't know. I'm talking X three where, where Wolverine had to stab her and she's like flourishy. And Oh, I completely forgot about X three. Everybody did. You know know what? I'm kind of glad you brought this up. The interesting thing about my relationship with the X-Men, I truly enjoy the movies. One, two, three, four, 62. However many there, I've seen them all and I like them all. And there's a lot of X-Men fans who are like, Oh, three sucks. And, the Phoenix movie sucked and all that stuff. This is the benefit of not being tied to the comics. <laughs> you know, I truly enjoy the movies. I really do. I don't think there's a bad one, but X-Men fans would disagree with me. So you see, that's sort of the other end of the, of the spectrum for, for being removed from this. But anyway, coming back to the book, I just wish she had a bigger, it's the Phoenix. It's in the name. She, there needed to be flame, fire, bird, all that at the end and let her burn herself out. And just ashes float down. That's that's mm. how it needed to be. No burn could have owned that. You know he could have. So that's my biggest. Uh, but there's plenty of good stuff in round two. I promise. There's some good uh, stuff that makes you think a little bit on it. I for one have a what the the watcher and how Wolverine just somehow got into his place or whatever, and then he's like, that's "I'm going to show you this stuff, and then I'm going to kick you out." Seemed unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, I was like. Why? That was the part that confused me as well. And it got me thinking. And I honestly don't remember if that was leading up to something else. Is, is that going to seem very yeah. specific? Yeah. It was like just to just put in there for some reason. And then I, I just didn't get it. I mean, I got the the first part of the watcher is there and he's, he's kind of watching it to make it feel like, man, this is really big. If the watcher's watching, then everybody tune in and, and we got to see what's going to happen here. But then Wolverine comes in there and he, well, this is what you can do. You come here and I'm going to take you through these two different lands or whatever in the past or into the future, but I'm going to put you back on your butt under some rubble or whatever. And that's it. <laughs> but he made it seem like there was something special about it. And I don't know if that's laying something for, you know, maybe the next few issues down the road or something to happen. I hope so. Because otherwise, man, Watcher needs what to upgrade a security system or something because <laughs> yeah. we're literally fell, fell right. into his house. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you something. When he went inside that house, like going inside the crystal, I was like, if this is the Omicron crystal. Well, that's gonna, what I thought at I'm first. I'm like, what is this? Why is this crystal here? And is there somebody else there? You're, you're in my house. What? Uh, it'd be interesting to see if Claremont does like bring that back and like he saw something that changes or, or what that would be interesting. I almost feel like Claremont did that and I haven't read it off X-Men to know if it pays off or not, but maybe he forgot about it. If it doesn't <laughs> like he had intended to plant, it felt yeah, like, like one of those seeds. It's a, it's a seed. I felt like it had to be like a seed moment for something, but I'm not the best on Wolverine. I want to be, I want to learn a little bit more. So I want to discover it through the comics instead of just going to a wiki and, and do that. But maybe if people know, let me know in the comments. Hey, yeah, it has to deal with something and it pays off. That just to get me more excited on what's happening here. The other thing, you guys got so much going on, uh, so many other thoughts that I do really agree with you. Jason has a heart going on in this one. So I just want to give you guys more time to talk about stuff. So we'll go back to round two with Delvin. 
Do you got another high, low, or what the? I can easily keep it high in that I like the setup. The setup was so conflict built, and it wasn't conflict that could have just been developed from an issue or two. You had a couple of years ago, Charles Xavier, he was kind of burned out. And he found this uh, lady, this alien. He was in love with Lalandra and, and went and lived with her, but then decided to come back home, but finds himself diametrically opposed with the woman that he loves. And she finds herself completely feeling sorry and compassionate for not only Charles, but his students, but has to uphold her empire and keep up those appearances there. And in very intentionally, set the X-Men up for a contest that they can't win. And the X-Men basically knew it. I mean, they they knew that they couldn't win this and they, they could have walked. They could have been like, yeah, okay, yeah, she, she, she did do it. Even though she's sorry about it of sorts and she wasn't quite herself, she still did it. But they decided to fight for their teammate. Just There's so many good layers that were put into it. And that is the reward of a patient story. I'm glad that in modern comics, they've kind of gotten back to that. A lot of times now on the big books, they get a big writer now, and that big writer usually has like a whole big magnum opus to go over, like Amazing Spider-Man, for instance, where Nick Spencer had a 74, 75 issue run of the book where he had that storyline plotted from day one. And Batman did the same thing with Tom King, did the same thing with Scott Snyder, for instance. And I like that. I like when you have that time to have the stories to get room to breathe like they did. And that's what made the payoff for the Dark Phoenix saga so rewarding in that they didn't rush it and they brought along characters along the way that still around X-Men lore today, which so they weren't throwaway characters and they continued just a, a great storyline. But the whole arc of it was about Jean Grey and how she was corrupted by the Phoenix. She did a, a good deed, but that good deed did not go unpunished. And yeah, just good patient storytelling. And it's interesting to see I would wonder if this is what Claremont had thought out from the time that he came onto the book of the all new, all different X-Men. I don't know. And because, you know, you remember when we first came to X-Men, it was bi-monthly. And mm -hmm. yeah. one of the things that they pushed for was to have a monthly book. And he found John Byrne, who this dude at one point, he spat out a high quality X-Men book and said, oh, yeah, I'm going to draw Spidey, too, because why the heck not? <laughs> Two flagship titles. That's that's uh, one's not enough for me. And uh, so he he found his guy and they they made magic together. It's Jason. I know you got more to say. I just really appreciate how you captured the conflict of the book. I think that really is set up in the first half of the storytelling in that 24 hours that they all have to spend pretty much alone with their thoughts and coming to terms of what they're going to do. I'll focus on just the, the action and the fun elements of the book. It was just so cool seeing the X-Men go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Shi'ar Imperial Guard. And that team is dynamic. They're like Avengers level. Yeah, good. they're powerful. Very powerful. 
and you nailed it, Delvin. It's like, God, this is a an uphill battle at best. And to see how they fought so tenaciously, and I'll just focus on the Colossus versus Gladiator. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh my God. That's my favorite part too. Toe to toe, yeah. blow for blow. It was just a perfect mix of setup, tension fun in games and in the action elements and then the tragic ending just mm, just a beautiful book yeah i think it's a good combination of the storytelling and you know what jared says about the words and there's so many words especially on that one page where you said there was a lot Big seven. <laughs> <laughs> but the art on that you know to get all those words around that art it's a talent between Obviously, I think the two, you know, you got the artist who's got to try to show this, what the writer is really kind of, you know, trying to write about in, in the many words that he says. But, man, Claremont's got this big opus of this stuff going on in his head. I wonder how he keeps it all together. The one know? thing that I was really, really happy about, Jared talked about the word count on, say, page one and I think uh, in future pages. But it wasn't crowded. And the reason why it wasn't crowded was that's probably one of the reasons that Byrne got co-plotted credit. Maybe told Chris like, Hey man, <laughs> at oh, least make this, be. yeah, make this a splash page. So like I can like draw something cool and then you can put your words and it worked because yeah. so when I saw the first page, was it wordy? Sure. But was it, Chris Claremont, and I'm going to borrow from Jared there and his love for Star Wars. Was that like the Star Wars running banner, like at the start of mm-hmm. any Star Wars movie? Maybe, maybe not. But it was definitely the table setter for the watcher saying, pay attention, y'all. This is a good one. This is important. Yeah, I, I think that brings up a good point that with this issue being a double sized they were able to do some recapping, some flashbacky stuff. And I think they did it all very well. So if I was a new reader, I could kind of jump on right at this point and kind of figure out what was happening and go with the ride that's coming down the road again. Very good jumping on point if you didn't read the rest of it, the buildup. But I would definitely say read the buildup too. Jarrett, hi, low or what the? I have so many. Uh <laughs> Uh, can I do a silly Spidey moment for when Angel just proved his worthlessness before the battle <laughs> even started? <laughs> oh, he was out of shape. He was out I of shape. I flew wrong. <laughs> Worthing worthlessness. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm D-O-M-B. You know what? It's funny that, like, clearly Claire was sort of studying the table, like, okay, they're going to be in a different gravity environment. And then he doesn't really use that much later on. Like, I thought, okay, well, he's setting this up for... He used it with with Storm. Storm, Storm. had difficulty mm-hmm. with her powers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But okay, did I miss something in the incredibly large word count though? Like, why was Professor X not part of the battle? Because he's like the most powerful person on the table. He could have pretty much ended that battle immediately. It was the battle, quote unquote, between him and Lalandra. Right. So does that so, mean he doesn't get to be on the field, I guess? Or well yeah, Lalandra sent Lalandra sent her fighters and Xavier sent his. I see. I, I guess it kind of would have been unfair because he could have just basically froze all their brains and 
Well, it looks like we win. Double. <laughs> I mean that that would have been that would have been a better chance than what they had because I mean you had Lalandra who was Shiar, and then she was like, uh, yeah, let me go to have this meeting real quick. And so you had Cree and Scroll there as well. They were like, yeah, they they ain't winning this, and we're gonna make sure one way or the other they ain't gonna win this. Okay, that will bring me to a high because I like how that bitter centuries old feud, like they just couldn't even let it go for a day, man. They couldn't even let it go for a day in like this poignant situation. <laughs> that was kind of funny, just how petty they were. But yeah, I mean, overall, it's got a lot of adventure in it. I mean, it's a, it's a double position because there's a lot of fight, 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 which is you know always fun to ride along with and you know there's a lot of showcasing of cyclops is my favorite guy even he had to question his his tactical decisions though i'm not i was not a fan of the hey you know classic scooby-doo let's so split up i'm like Mm-mm, no if you're fighting a vastly superior force you all stick together and you pick off you find somebody on the fringe of the opposing force and everybody attacks them and wins and then you do it again everybody attacks them and this is how you play video games right <laughs> you you take your overwhelming force and you pick off the people around the fringe, and that's how you win against a superior force. Cyclops must have missed that day in strategic school, but hey, I get it had to play out how it played out, and it was fun to read. It was engaging to read. Once I got past page seven, which was a lot of words, and I certainly I texted you guys about it. It really did pick up, and I really liked it. I hate to beat this dead horse, but I just wish the Phoenix had a, a bolder, more visual end or gene gray did um but other than that no man a lot of highs i mean great art all the way yeah. through it's it's burned totally. yep. great art uh, fun battles to read got to see everybody's insights uh, how they felt about the battles you felt the emotion from scott especially at the end and just uh you know i i, I get why it's classic i've said this on the last few episodes i came to it late I had it all built up to me so it didn't deliver like it it feels for other people but again I get it. I get why. I can read why. I see why Jason loves it so much and why Delvin has so much to say about it. I mean, Jason was like reading this on the spinner rack. I think that's why you hear the most amount of emotion in this from Jason because mm-hmm. he read this live. This is like, you know, I saw every episode of Quantum Leap live and it's my favorite show of all time. But if I sit there and build it up, build it up, build it up to you and show it to you, you're going to be like, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> it's not going to feel like yeah. it felt for me. So I totally get Jason's feeling. I get why this is important in X-Men history. It was well done. It's very Claremontian, but that's kind of part of its charm. And I will leave it there. I definitely think as I read this and the buildup that we had, man, if you could turn this into like just a TV series of this era of X-Men and it's, you know, an hour TV series of all this, I think I really would enjoy that. Even though knowing what it would be and where it's going to go a little bit. Kind of did. The X-Men animated series was heavily built around this. I did, yeah. Okay. I may have to start watching that Check through a little Disney bit. Plus. I didn't watch it all. Does anybody have anything else they want to talk about this issue before it's we double move size, on? double size, so we should probably do two more rounds. <laughs> 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 I, You know what? It's a good closing thought for me. When I saw double size, I was like, ugh. When I saw the pit word count on page one, I was like, ugh. <laughs> I got the page seven, I was like, Oh God! It really did pick up there, and and I enjoyed it. I know I've ruffled some listener feathers about this X Men thing. I did enjoy it. Uh, I guess I have a question, maybe for Jason and Delvin here at the end. Is this going to start a whole new story arc now? Are we 
done with this or are we going to keep sort of echoing this for a little while? Does anybody know what, what we're got, got coming? I mean, after every big, huge storyline, what comes next, Jared? Filler. N- not, not filler, but aftermath, right? Like, there's going to be some aftermath as a result of this. And I cheated somewhat in that when I was trying to find episode, excuse me, issue 137, and I found it. And I also had 138 right behind it. So that cover, too, is kind of iconic. And I saw it. I'm like, yep, it makes sense based off of the events of what happened in this book. I won't spoil it for you because maybe Crusaders Club picks uh, X Men 138, maybe not. And if they don't, I'll tell you what happens. But if it, does it, if they is do, it the one with somebody packing his bags? <laughs> oh, yeah, I actually know that cover. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It is the one. Yes. Okay. So, That's with every big storyline. There's always aftermath. So we're gonna see some aftermath. All right, let's go and get into who went the extra mile for this issue. I think there's a big major player that did, but let's find out, do we all choose the same person or is there somebody else in the background? Jason, who went the extra mile for you in this issue? For me, it's got to be Jean. She made the ultimate sacrifice in order to protect her family, protect the earth, and to die as a human instead of to live as a god. Agree. My pick. I'm picking Jean. So let's find out, Jarrett, who did you pick? Well, in the absence of DPMFC, who I have to assume is running around the moon somewhere. That's Dr. Peter Maurice Feldman. Yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I just put that together. I'm like, oh, yeah, Dr. Kabul. I have to assume he was there somewhere. Okay. The only reason I think we don't see him in this issue is because he's probably having a formal luncheon or maybe even a dinner gala event with the Eternals because that's what I imagine he does when he's off panel, right? But these are the things that Peter Corbo does. <laughs> Anyways, in the absence of DPMFC, I think the easy answer is Phoenix. I'm going to give it to my boy Cyclops. Yeah, I can see that. Hard, hard spot to be in. I've talked about it a million times on a million different things, especially when we talk Ninja Turtles. Leadership of one's peers is the hardest leadership of all. You know, I always use that example that, uh, you know, Leonardo He's the leader of the team. So while Donatello, Raph, and Mikey are battling Shredder, they, they're thinking, defeat Shredder, defeat Shredder. And all the while, Leo's thinking, defeat Shredder, make sure everybody comes home alive. And that's sure. the pressure that Scott has. And he just couldn't do it. So that's where my emotion landed hard. Like, I had to imagine that's what he's doing the entire time. Not just beat the bad guys, but make sure everybody stays alive. Not only did he lose somebody, he lost the closest one to him. Um, so I, he's my guy. Cyclops will always be my guy. Yeah, good choice. Good point. It's in, you know, in that analogy, I'd say probably Wolverine is the Raphael of the 100%. Yes. <laughs> and even he, you can see how they've, how, how much they've grown together as Cyclops is doling out the assignments and, and Wolverine just is, you know, what's the play boss. And, doesn't give him any lip in this one. So it was kind of interesting to see mm-hmm. that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Just like when it comes down to the nittiest of gritty for my turtles, Raph stops ribbing Leo and says, make the call. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I like that stuff. Good choice. Delvin. And so along those same lines, I'm going to go with Professor X for this one. Professor X extended the play. They were going to execute Jean Grey right then and there. And there wasn't anything that was going to be done about it. They may have executed the X-Men too, had they gotten in the way. And Professor X had some very quick thinking in order to at least 
give them an opportunity to get their thoughts together, maybe even say their goodbyes, maybe come up with some sort of game plan, anything. He was just trying to prolong the play. And he did so successfully, which was a good thing in a sense. The X-Men unfortunately weren't able to pull it off, but they were against basically impossible odds the entire time. I mean, good grief. They've been against impossible odds for about the <laughs> I mean, they've yeah. just just wave after wave of just ridiculously hard foes to, to face it culminating in dark. Yeah, yes, go ahead, Jared. Jared. Culmination. Thank you. And let's see, with Dark Phoenix, find like somehow actually manages to beat Dark Phoenix and immediately has to face the Imperial Guard the next day. Like, <laughs> come fair. on, that is it's not. It's not fair. That is not freaking fair at all. That's one of those where even the comic book gods will raise their hands, like, okay, red flag. That ain't free. And it wasn't. But Professor X did everything he could to give his team an opportunity to win, and I appreciated that. Let me extend this show with a food for thought question. (laughs) Okay. Food for thought. This is still relatively early in Wolverine's career. Like we haven't really developed that character a whole lot yet. Mm -hmm. Be interesting to see if knowing what we know now, Claremont knew what Wolverine was going to become. There could have been a significantly different outcome to this battle. Because when Wolverine gets his dandruff, especially about somebody like Gene and just uncorks and goes all out. There's a good chance he could have defeated two or three of those guys from the Imperial Guard by himself. Would have been interesting to see. Just food for thought. Interesting. So would you say maybe that's why the Watcher took him? Oh, maybe. I don't know. But to uh, kind of keep him out of play for a little bit. Yeah, like the Wolverine I know, but again, it's not fair because it's old. Like if yeah. it's down to the brass tax with Gene, he'll lose it. He'll go for a full berserker rage. And yeah. good I luck mean, stopping con- that. Consider also that Storm was holding her own. And had Wolverine still been in a fight, the uh, whoever with the whip who distracted Storm, like probably would have been taken out or at least distracted mm-hmm. by Wolverine. Yeah. So that would have been a much more even fight than it wound up being. It's possible. Yeah. I, and because the Watcher has always been one of those uh, kind of annoying. Like, cause, <laughs> yes. Because it's like, I am super powerful. I have the powerful of a freaking God and I use it to do nothing. <laughs> unless, unless a significant plot point requires me to break my rule. <laughs> or, yeah. or, or it's the fantastic four. Then, <laughs> then I'll totally break it. But anyone else, I absolutely won't break it. Like, okay. Oh, we're going to get wild off the rails here. But yeah, they, they were addressing that in the reckoning war that just wrapped up in the fantastic four universe. Ooh, don't, now. don't tell me. I haven't read that yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Keep that in thought though. Okay. Mm. I'm just going to give one honorable mention and it's just going to be to the rest of the X-Men team. Just as Jared mentioned earlier, their struggle with their thoughts, that we had little segments on each one of them, that the struggle within them and internally on about Jean. Did she do what she did? And, you know, we're, we're mad at her, but or we love her and we're going to protect her. And I think they went the extra mile in working that out within themselves to know that they cared enough about her that they were going to stand with her knowing that, hey, you know, we all may go down here, but we're going down with Gene. It's not a cliche to say that they were family. And sometimes that's what those hard battles do, right? 
even if you're a people who you don't like, who in another situation, you may may be fighting yourselves, but you find yourselves banded together in this situation and you come to figure out ways to work together. And that's what they did because remember, heck, I mean, Wolverine was calling Storm like a broad or something like that. And I was like, Mm-mm, no, I'll... <laughs> I will jump in this <laughs> comic book and fight you, Lo. You don't talk to Storm like that. But like, I mean, but that's how they were. They were all like kind of clashing. But through these battles, they have 100 percent become a family to the extent that they love and care about each other. And none of that was, you know, fake or artificial and that was that was cool it, it showed how they were all willing to fight for gene but they also were all willing to fight for each other too well said Dylan. well said i think with that why don't we go ahead and get into the ratings for this issue as a reminder it's a one through five five as you loved it it gave you a ring to swing from four really liked it three liked it two didn't like it and one you hated it it turned you into a baby. Jared, <laughs> let's start with you. Put that baseline on you. Oh, man. Just toss me out to the wolves, huh? Not, yes. not that. It's the base. The uh, base. Well, no Peter Corbo. Yeah, takes place right. in space. So that goes brings it down to a nine. Some odd word count on page seven. Eight. So right now I'm at a two. I'm just kidding. I want to rile up the audience for a second. Uh, I'm going to give this. A very solid four, which is, as our listeners know, that's a normal person's five. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> me giving the X-Men, especially this big issue, a four, very high compliment indeed. I enjoyed it. That Even is. with the two pages, it almost derailed me. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? Just to make the show longer. There was a point where Gene said to Scott, yeah, I killed uh, that entire planet of four billion people, and it mm-hmm. felt good. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I'd be done right about there. <laughs> but hey, true love conquers all. <laughs> and yeah, and the immortal words of our former roommate, it's a four. It's a four. Delvin, one through five. Five. It deserves it. Yeah. I've said enough words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, five is all you have to say, Delvin. Five is all you got to say. Jason, one through four, or one through five. Five, obviously. There's a reason why that list of where this is reprinted is too long for you to read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it is one of the best tales ever written. And the culmination, 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 many years and issues of hard work, diligent work by Mr. Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Hallowed be thy names. Here, here. I will agree with you and Delvin on a five and I guess, can we take Jared's five and make it everybody get up anyway? Just because his four is a five? (laughs) (laughs) Like in the currency exchange market, it's totally worth a five. It's a currency exchange five now. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody equivalently get up now. One, two, three, four, four, and maybe an extra five. (laughs) All right. Good conversations. Good conversation on this one. I said this a hundred times in this episode, but if it was a bigger flourish death for her at the end, I would have gone with five. Just so oh, right yeah. so I think weird, like a little really dead gun. On. I can't get over this. Like a zap. Uh, what? Well, I think the point was is that 
she maneuvered that. She she it was all her. It was all her. I get it. It, it just was not there was not spectacle involved. Yeah, but your point is well taken. For dramatic purposes, I think that would have been been a good choice. Somebody hadn't read all those words on page seven. They might have could have fit in that extra page. Oh, I'm just kidding. It is good times. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. You can also leave us a voice message that we just might play on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. We'll be right back. Do you enjoy time travel in general and the Silver Age of comic books in particular? If so, join me each week on the Superman Fan Podcast. My name is Billy Hogan, and I will be your host. Together, we'll crash through the time barrier and fly into the past to explore the Silver Age adventures of Superman. One week, we will take a look at the Superman family of titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, World's Finest Comics, and soon... Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. The next week, we will feature the Man of Steel's titles, Superman and Action Comics, which will include the Supergirl stories during her run in the back of that title. You can join me each week on Wednesday or Thursday at the supermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com, which is available on iTunes. And your emails are always welcome at supermanfanpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to wear your red indestructible cape. Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments. Special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Bill Bear. Blast it. Or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason Keen. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. We hope you like Jim Jarman too. I do like him. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright. Mark Ross, Maxwell Traver, Miranda W, P.D. Devon, Paul Hicks, Rick from Jeff and Rick Present, Rob Morgan, Ryan Daly, Samantha Maney, Sean Urbanski, Spidey67, Steve Cronin, Timmy, Tim Price, come on down, Tony Pennington, and Toronto Cop, home of the fusion. 
If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on Apple Podcasts for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just our ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. So, what had happened when it came to <laughs> Crusaders Club, excuse me, uh, Crusader Chronicles episode 62 that featured Amazing Spider-Man 206 and one. 35 is well a couple of things one pat uh, being the genius that he is you know put a little bit of some something on facebook uh, and and elevated boosted the post and did it pay off because there (laughs) were that plus twitter comments over 1000 different likes for the podcast which is insane which was freaking insane so I'll start reading the list with A. Aaron Armisen. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred <I> mean, <laughs> Adilo. <laughs> it, it's basically, it would be like pulling out a phone book. It, but like something happened with StreamYard, everything, uh, a whole behind the scenes stuff, pain in the behind. So unfortunately, we don't have those names, but we do want to send out a very heartfelt thank you so much to everybody who even stopped by and liked it. Hopefully some of you guys come back and continue to listen as we move on to Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles because we have some awesome stuff coming ahead for you. Thank you to everyone for their likes, shares, follows, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and your help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website lomboxcrusade.com where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jarrett, Jason, Delvin, for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter. D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. Jared. I'm at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares, which includes a little Spidey, a little X-Men. If you're into that, www.theyardsaleartist.com. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Pat. Well, Jason, I am glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on our next episode of Doing It Livestream on YouTube. And that is the second Sunday of every month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Go out there and like and subscribe to Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages, all at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to
intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. And the only other thing is, do you guys want to end with read them all again or just stick with it? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, right. This is America. <laughs> okay. Just had to ask, you know. All right. <clears throat> Not like I'll f*** that up later just to make this moment funny. <laughs> Stupid. Read some of them! <laughs> <laughs> Read the preponderance. <laughs> Baba Booey! See, don't, don't give us a, a, a bit opportunity, Pat. This this album's on you. That's, <laughs> I'm going on you. Yeah, you did that. That's your fault. There you wouldn't did. be a show without bits. And the bits are make the show. So you know what? It is what it is. It got bits and bits and bits. Strong together bits. Yes. That's all it is. I take this bit, a little bit of that bit, a little bit of that bit, mix it all together. And what do you got? One big bit. (laughs) I think he's pissed again. (laughs) (laughs) Read three in a row. (laughs) (laughs) What's the matter? You can't read? Skip the annuals. Hello and welcome to the 64th episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. a.k.a. something's in my throat. (coughs) (laughs) If y'all want to party like we do, if y'all want to party like us, let me hear you say, (laughs) (laughs) let me clear my throat. Cooling in the summer on the hot summer's day. Me and my pussy in MCA. Cause them into a lime, a lime. Why don't they get The bits and bits are coming out right now. From the many long box, from the many comic book collections. Oh, wait. See, I don't even know this. <laughs> I just go. said the verbiage wasn't changing. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't make a liar out of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, he, he he didn't he, he didn't make a liar to you. We know Pat can't read. <laughs> That's the best bit of them all. Oh, you know I love Pat. I'm mute. Mute. Go oh, mute. I know. I know. I'm gonna be right back. Keep that attitude for when it comes time for me to read the X Men synopsis. <laughs> I want that vibe. I want that feel that we got right now. You want that beat? I'll take it. Play down some phone. Shut your mouth and post up. Is your cold busted? <laughs> you busted. I saw you. Three guys who uh, think they are. F- Got cool with some fives. I'll edit that together. Make it sense. <laughs> It'll make sense in post. Professor <laughs> <laughs> X, yes, we will battle for Gene with all of our might. Although I couldn't help but notice his <laughs> did not fight. <laughs> it's a showdown on the move. Maybe <laughs> 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 All right, okay, we got this. Okay, come on. We just got this job.